This is the Do It Scared podcast with Ruth Sukup, episode number 99. On today's very special freeform episode, we are once again chatting with one of my very best friends in the entire world, Edie Wadsworth, about basically everything. So buckle up because this one is like no other episode you've heard before. Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Sukup, and each week on the show, we will talk about how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and create a life you love. episode is brought to you by Elite Blog Academy. And right now, we want to invite you to grab your copy of the newest edition of my best-selling book, How to Blog for Profit Without Selling Your Soul. This is the book that since 2013 has sold nearly 500,000 copies in more than 10 different languages. And now it has been completely updated and revised for 2020. Our goal at EBA is to get it into as many hands as we possibly can, which is why for a limited time, we will send it to you absolutely free. All you have to do is pay for shipping. To grab it, simply go to EliteBlogAcademy.com slash book. Once again, that's EliteBlogAcademy.com slash book. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. As always, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I'm the founder of Living Well, Spending Less, and the Living Well Planner, as well as the founder of Elite Blog Academy and the New York Times bestselling author of six books, including my newest book, Do It Scared. In today's episode, we are actually just throwing all the rules right out the window because, hey, rules are for suckers, right? And we are just going to sit down and have a good old chat with my dear friend, Edie Wadsworth, who you might remember from way back in episode 10 when she came on and shared her story. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, you definitely should listen to it. She has an amazing story that everybody should hear. But today we are literally just hanging out. You see, Edie and I have been accountability partners and business besties for almost 10 years now, and we love chatting about business and strategy and all the things. And we don't always get a chance to talk that often because we're both super busy. We've both got a million things going on, but whenever we do, it always runs the gamut and it's always a lot of fun. And just to be a fly on the wall with all the marketing talk that's going to happen, if you're interested in business or growing a business or any of those things today, you got to be the fly on the wall and you get to listen in. And I think you're going to find there's a lot of good nuggets in there. And this is a, feels a little bit weird to be doing it this way and almost kind of weird to be opening up in a whole different way. So you might even say we're doing it scared. But first, as always, just a couple more quick things before we dive into the episode. First, as always, you can get all the links and the show notes for this episode. We're going to talk about a lot of things and you're going to want to get the links. So you can go and get those at doitscared.com slash episode 99. Once again, that's doitscared.com slash episode 99. And if you haven't already, be sure while you're there to take our free fear assessment to find out exactly how fear might be showing up in your life and potentially holding you back, as well as to discover exactly what you can do about it. And now, love it or hate it, here is my chat with Edie. Edie. Hi. I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I know. So I feel like we're just going to talk about all the things. But you've already done the official interview way back. It was a while ago that you were It was a while ago. on the podcast. You were one of my first guests, one of yes. my first interviews. And now we've come full circle. But now this is pretty much Pretty much just productive catch-up time, catch time for us. Yes. We're recording it and calling it a podcast interview. So I love it. Is, for everyone who's listening, this is basically a behind-the-scenes look at what our conversations <laughs> normally look like. Maybe slightly cleaned up a little bit. No, just kidding. Yes, yeah, slightly, slightly more structured. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Okay, but I think I feel like first we just need to have like the catch up on your life. Okay. Since the last time you were on the show, because that was that, yeah, like a lot has happened for you. It's been a big year. Yep. Yes. Um. Well, so yeah, it's probably been almost a year, and I don't know if we had. I think we maybe we're in process of adopting Thomas, but um, we are adopting a seven-year-old. And, um, he, Steve and I have nine kids together, no, eight kids together. Sorry for those of you who don't know. And, um, kind of his mind and ours and our youngest is 17 graduating from high school this year. So we are taking on a seven year old who we've had a relationship with for a while, kind of like foster parents, but his great grandmother who was raising him passed away almost exactly a year ago today, actually. And oh, wow. so we've had him for a year. I remember that. I was in Chicago yep. in January for yep. some unknown reason. Yeah. And so we've had him for a year. Um, it's been one of the hardest, most beautiful, most brutal things we've ever done, just walking a child through loss and grief and trauma. And um, a, a short while after he came, my husband, who's a podiatrist, woke up blind in his right eye and ended up basically with permanent blindness in the right eye, which has changed our lives quite a bit. And then a couple of months after that, I tore my ACL. So I kind of, after a while, we were able to make jokes that poor Thomas came to live with us and it was like an old folks home. We can't see or walk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, little buddy. Um, we're so. still young. <laughs> we're still young. And I just turned 50. So... Oh, um, so you're not still young. So I'm not still all that young. <laughs> Only at heart. Only, Only at, heart. at heart. Yeah. So it's been a, a rough year in a lot of ways, but also really an incredible year. I finished my second book at the 1st of January. Um, I am still trying to decide what to do with that. So that's one of the things I want to chat with you about. I finished the manuscript. I started a coaching program around that book to help women get unstuck in their lives and really pursue their passion and purpose. And that has gone amazingly well. So it's basically like starting a brand new business. So I still do um, essential oils and health coaching. And now I do life coaching. And I actually went through the full life coach training. So I'm a physician, life coach, health coach, and um, working from home, loving it and growing my business and um, helping as many women as I can, along with, in a way, taking kind of a huge break from part of that to um, help Thomas integrate into our family. So it's been a crazy year. That has been a crazy year. It's been a crazy yeah. year. And this is a fun, fun fact for those of you who are listening. Edie thought she was getting Ruth today. Edie thought she was invited to come for a Get Ruthed episode, and I thought I was just inviting her to come be a guest on the show like a normal person who does normal things and normal things. So now we're having we're making up our we're making it up as we go along. We're gonna have a a hybrid a hybrid type of episode. I love it. I'm so excited. So what do you want to talk about, Edie? Well, I have so many things. I'm like, actually, can I just have an hour of Ruth's time to ask her all my burning questions? And then if we get to the interview, that's fine. Um, I was just telling everybody on Instagram how you and I met. So, you know, we meet at Blistem, a blogging conference. Yes. You just started your blog. Yes. I was like the grandma blogger already no, then. not the grandma blogger. She was the <laughs> rock star blogger. That's what she was. She was like the... S-H-I-T. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, and then I proceed to watch. And so I'm like, oh, let me take this little Ruthie, who's six, three or whatever you are. Let me take this little Ruthie under my wings. And then you proceed to like build giant empire businesses. <laughs> doing the whole time, but you've been building giant empire businesses. So I feel like I started it was like all four because of you. I owe it all to you. If you had not <laughs> taken me under your wing the, back in that day, I went running out. I was ready to leave the conference. I was ready to pack it all up and quit blogging. And here's Edie. Oh, are you here all alone? You just come hang out with me. And I sure did. I was a hanger on her. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. And it has turned into the sweetest friendship, but I'm so grateful. And it's funny to me because I was probably four years ahead of you, three years ahead of you, something like that. And now I feel like I'm about four years behind you. So I keep asking you stuff that you were doing three, four, five years ago. Like, hey, what do you think about this? What should I do about this? So that which brings me to my next question for you. Okay. I didn't. Um, Was there a first one in there? No, this is the first one. This <laughs> brings me to my first question for you, which is, I I published my first book three years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you have lots of listeners who are, you know, written books or published books. I have my second book basically ready and can't decide what to do with it. So I would love your thoughts. Since you just launched a book, I would love your thoughts on the current state of book publishing since I'm using the um, chapters in the book to run a very successful, amazing coaching program, is there really any need to publish the book? Should I self-publish it? Should I get a publisher? publisher. Um, I, so short answer, publish it yourself, self-publish. I'm all, I am a massive fan of self-publishing, especially for something like that, where it is directly, funneling into your coaching program. That's the whole purpose of the book is to lead people into your coaching program. You want to control that funnel 100%. You do not want to have to mess around with having to meet publishers' expectations and have them change stuff or have them say it's too self-promotional or whatever they're going to say within the editing. Uh Uh-uh. Your content, your book, you publish it your way. Edie, you're a great marketer. And you know how to do all this stuff. So there's literally nothing that a publisher could offer you that you can't do for yourself or you can't hire for yourself. You need a great editor, hire hire an editor. But I think you've already had an editor help you with the book, right? A so little bit, yeah. I, there's, I am, I... I am only a fan of traditional publishing in a very limited number of circumstances. And I feel like that number of limited circumstances keeps going down and down and down in my opinion. Now, this could be, let's just like full disclosure here. This could be my outcast part or fear archetype coming out completely. (laughs) Yes. I don't like to be told what to do. I don't like to have, I don't like to have restrictions put on me. I started my own business because basically I can't play in the sandbox with other people. (laughs) Um, So I, having a publisher and having rules and restrictions and other people telling you what to do, I find it very hard and very, and very frustrating, especially when I feel like I've, I'm doing most of the work. I, you know, I have to write the book. I had to have my entire team help because once a publisher finds out you have a team and you have resources and you know how to do this stuff, at least this is what happened with my publisher. They gladly took advantage of all of my resources and almost acted like it was free for the, because it was free for them when my team is doing right. all the work, except not like really being cognizant of the fact that my team doesn't work for free. I wish they would. I mean, I think they <laughs> like their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's like and and doing all of that book stuff completely took us away from all this other stuff in our business. Where I think if I had done it internally, it, we could have been so much more strategic with the way that it was fitting into our entire business plan. So. I 100% believe in self-publishing and think that that is the way to go. And you've done it. What's your, like, you've done both. So how mm-hmm. many of each? You have three published? I have three, three self-published and three traditionally published. I do have a kid's book coming out this year. That's That was part of my deal with my publisher. So that's, okay, and which I've never done before. So I don't even know what that's all going to be like. I can't tell you. Um, anything about kids book experiences, but, um, I, so my best selling book of all time is not any of my traditionally published books. It's how to blog for profit without selling your soul, which has sold crazy number of copies, almost 500,000 copies. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy because that book I first published in 2013 and then I did a second edition in 2014 because it was about blogging. So I felt like I needed to keep it up to date. And then I launched Elite Blog Academy and sort of got busy focusing on Elite Blog Academy and didn't 
update the book, which I should have many years ago, but finally just did the third edition that just came out this year. And so now we're, you can get the third edition. Um, And now I'm just like so excited about the third edition that I'm like, I want to get this book into as many hands as I possibly can. You can go and grab it. Like, and I, because I get to control it, it's my book. So I can give it away to people for free, which is what I'm doing now. You can just go to eliteblogacademy.com, get it for free. And then do you get a physical copy for free? Yeah. Or do- yeah, you just pay the shipping. Yeah. Amazing. And then because th- I, I've read that book, I read the first edition at least of that book. You wrote that book at my house. Did I? Yes. I did. The first draft I of it did. you were working on at my house years ago. So That's I- true because you were the one that was asking me all the questions. <laughs> I know. So you're taking credit for that book. I kind of want to take credit a little bit. <laughs> I kind of do a little bit. <laughs> you were the inspiration because do you remember? I mean, I'm sure you do. We met at Blistem. So then we would go to conferences together and we would stay in the same room together. One time I had strep throat and <laughs> that together. was fun. Yeah, real fun. That's how I got, that's how I first got hooked on oils actually. Um, but we would have, we would end up having like our own mini conference in the hotel room. Remember? Yeah. Let me, no, here's the truth of it. Here's the truth of it. We go to a blog conference. The The material at the blog conference just barely touches the surface. Ruth teaches me all the stuff I really need to know at night in the hotel room. And that's basically how I built my business. So, And that was you. what we would do. Yeah, we yeah. would we would end up and then we you'd start talking to people because Edie literally talks to everybody all the time. <laughs> and everybody always wants to talk to Edie. And of course, me outcast. I'm like, come on, Edie, looking at my watch. Are you done yet? <laughs> and then she would just keep inviting people. So we'd end up with like 20 people in our room, like, yeah. surrounded around the computer. And I would just be like, okay, here's what you got to do. No, 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 no. You got it. I was, I was roofing people way back then. You were roofing people <laughs> way back. And the cool thing is like everybody that got roofed back then, like I'm telling you the best stuff I ever learned was from you in probably some random hotel <laughs> at too late at night or too early in the morning. Actually, you and I would be more like we're up at three 30 or four and we're just sitting there working on our computers. Um, oh, I know. Those funny thing, days. funny that you should mention that because my fear archetype, I know you know what it is. You want to guess? Do I know what it is? It's oh, I'm sure. People pleaser. Of course. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> so if you haven't taken Ruth's test, go take it. Off the charts, people pleaser. Off the charts, people pleaser. Yes. So all the 20 people surrounding us and you're giving them all the tips and I'm making sure they have plenty to drink and eat and they're enjoying themselves and it worked perfect we hey maybe we should host our own conference together (laughs) we should well you know I started hosting these um workshops a couple a few different workshops at my office because I know I'm getting ready to sign up for one of them oh good because you should because I kind of wanted to go back to my roots with that like I remember those days in the hotel and I was like I just want to get in a room with people and tell them all the things. What they and, should do. Yeah. And what they should do. Because I feel like that is my, that is like, that is my best. If you want to, if you want to have my brain at its best, it is when there is no script yep. and no anything, no agenda, just what do you want to know? And I will, and I will tell you. Yep. <laughs> and I love it. And I've done, I did two in November. They were so much fun. And it's been only a few months since then. And every single person that came is like, Boom, taking off. And I'm like, oh, I just want to get as many people in my hands as I can and shake them and go, here's the, here, there's here's a the way. way to do things. Here's the here's way. The way. <laughs> I know. I was How just can telling. I, I can't scale it. I can't. That's what bothers me. I can't scale that. Well, I know. I was telling you the other day. I'm like, yeah, I really want to work on, you know, sales funnels and marketing funnels this year. And you're like, well, I just so happen to have a workshop called Funnels. Ru- get funnel with Ruth school. or something. Funnel school. <laughs> funnel, okay. Funnel school. <laughs> funnel school so, with Ruth. <laughs> I'm going to funnel school. So maybe you can yes. put the link. Maybe you can put the link in and some people can join us. That would yes. be awesome. Yes. So yeah, I'm excited. But I really, really do feel like you have such a sweet spot with doing that. Like, especially when it's a smaller group and you just start going on. I can't take notes fast enough. I, I love, <laughs> and I just love how generous you are with it too, because 
you know, you've given people like crazy amounts of good advice over the years. And um, yeah, I'm okay. So what's your next question? Okay. So my next question is, again, this is what I would do if I were in the hotel room. I'm like, okay, Ruth, what should I do about my book? Second, okay. what? So you're, you've decided on that, right? Cause you're not going to have, you're not going to ask me this question again. I know I have asked you like three times, but I, feel- I know <laughs> you feel like you don't like the answer. Edie, just don't do it. Don't uh, do we need to? I think we need to dive deeper in here. What's holding me back? Is it the, what is holding is it the you people back? pleaser thing? Like, is it something to do with that where I feel like no, it needs to be a legit traditional book? I don't know. I don't know why. I yeah, because what is it? I mean, you can create your own publishing imprint, that's you can do that, you're allowed. I, so the world is wide open to you. The world is your oyster. The world is yours. Maybe that's what you should call it. <laughs> oyster Pearl Publishing. <laughs> I just got Roost Publishing. <laughs> um, that would be great. Maybe I need to start my own. Oh, wait. I already have started my wait, own Wait, I do it's have It's called Life, Life Well Lived Publishing. Yeah. Um, so that's all of our books go underneath that imprint, Life Well Lived. Very cool. And yeah, so I I would just I mean, honestly, there is nothing at this point in your career, there is nothing, nothing that a publisher can do for you that you can't that you can't do for yourself. Unless there like is there some secret longing that you have like to make the New York Times bestseller list or whatever? I mean, that's that would be like maybe the only thing that's it's real hard to do as self-published. Although there are people like they are self-publishing is becoming so legitimate that that's actually a possibility now. Yeah. Um, whereas it used to be that wasn't even an option, but even, I mean, that is so it's so arbitrary and so subjective that I don't think that that should be anybody's rule or anybody's goal. Yeah. So I want your goal to be how can I how can I maximize my efforts and make as much money from my business as possible and get the things that I like get the things that I want to have happen happen. Right. And in order to do that, you need to control the funnel. Mm-hmm. And you're giving up the control if you you don't believe me. I see it in your face. No, There's I something. I do. We got to dig a little deeper here. I know. I do believe you, but I, I guess part of what it is too is at least when you get a publisher, somebody else, whereas you don't like somebody else to be in charge, I kind of do. And I just like to do my little part of it, you know, like, oh, let me just do my part of it. And somebody else says, hey, now we need this. Now we need this. Now we need this. I kind of like that. So you're having an imposter syndrome crisis. Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Edie, a publisher doesn't know what they're doing with this kind of stuff. Any more than I do? No. (laughs) No. No. In fact, and the things that they tell you to do are going to be completely opposite of the things that you should be doing because you need to be using this as the top of your funnel. And yeah. publishers don't even understand what a funnel is, nor do they care that you're going to make money on the back end with your funnel. They want to sell. They think the goal is to sell, sell the books. books. The goal is not you, to sell the book. The goal is not to sell the book. Right. I guess, too, I think because my first book was a memoir, which is a different animal, and the editing process with traditional publishing was so grueling, I ended up with two different book coaches, and the book was so much better after they put it through the ringer. But I do feel like it's a different animal. This is a very traditional nonfiction self-help book. So I don't think it's going to need the same amount of overhaul editing that my memoir did. So I think you might be right. I think it's just because my first experience was, man, that was a way better book after they got their hands on it. Yeah, and that's that is true and I think that book was incredibly grueling for you to write because it was so personal and it was so hard. But it wasn't even the publisher necessarily that made it better. I mean, they made you hire this coach that was the one that helped you get it 
make it better. And I know you had, you had a good editor and all of that stuff. And that's not to discount like any of the work that went in there, but you're right. Totally different experience. But, and I can see also if, if you had not traditionally published a book and if there was some part of you that like longed for that legitimacy of saying, I have a, I've had a book deal. I've had a publisher. I've had an agent. I've done, I've crossed that off my list, but you've already crossed that off your list. So now it's about being strategic with your business. And this particular book, if you if you want to do a book that is another traditionally published book, plan on that. But don't take a book that is directly related to your business coaching program yep. and to your business and to the livelihood of your business and give that control up. Okay. I think you, that has convinced me. I think I see what you're saying now because it's different. It's way different. It's a different situation, different scenario. Yeah. The first book had nothing, nothing to do with my business whatsoever. So yeah. And you can hire an editor. Yeah. I've hired an editor for all of my books. Okay. My self-published books. Yep. Okay. I'm on board, sister. <laughs> Finally, and you now you're gonna that, stop asking me this question again. I know that took me like seriously six months for you for you to get through to me on that. <sighs> I know. I'm <laughs> legit. She has asked me this question the last three or four times that we've talked. That's why when you had it as your question, I was like, "What? what is, yeah. this, is this just for the for the <laughs> podcast that you want to ask this question again?" <laughs> my ne- which brings me to my next question, which is about podcasting. So I'm curious. I started a podcast this year. You started a podcast this year or last year? Last year. Last year. 2018. And um, yours is like so legit and professional. Mine <laughs> is very much like I would do it, which is <laughs> it's cute. And it's, it's it cute. is good. It's good material. It is good. And teaching. it's a, probably a little haphazard. Like I'm guessing in true ED fashion that sometimes you get an episode out. Sometimes you don't. There's no editorial calendar. There is. There oh. is. And we took a, about a four week break during Christmas, but I did 30 episodes straight in a row without missing. <gasps> Whoa, Edie. Yes. You've come such a long way. I know. I know. <gasps> this is your protege here right now. <sighs> I'm bursting with pride right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And uh, we have probably about that many episodes planned. So we're. We're pretty good. Wow. I know. I'm super excited. But my question for you is, do you like it? Do you like podcasting? What do you think of it? I, that's an interesting question. I would say 70% of the time, I love it. Okay. I do. And when I get, like, when I get into these interviews and when I start talking to people, I love it. And it's so fun. And it's so, that part is great. Um. And I loved, I love how connected the podcasting audience is. I think there's some, I, you know, I've been blogging now for 10 years and I have always felt like I have a good relationship with my audience and, and I, you know, email, I do lots of stuff via email and I felt like that was a great way to connect with people, but there's something different about podcasting because maybe it's because it's so long, it's long form and you're in people's ear and it feels so personal, but I have never felt this, the type of connection or gotten the response from anything that I've ever done as I have gotten from podcasts and from podcast episodes. So from that perspective, I love it. Wow. Um, from the perspective also of like getting to connect with people and meet new people and have an excuse to reach out to people that I admire, all of that is really cool. Um, I think the part that I struggle with is it feels like sometimes it can feel like a grind, like, oh, I got to get another episode out. I got to get another episode out. So anything that feels oppressive of just having to do it all the time, that part like annoys me sometimes. I will look at my schedule some weeks and be like, oh, I have five book episodes scheduled, like scheduled. And then, but then I get in them and I'm always like, oh, that was so fun. And I love doing the coaching episodes. I do. I really enjoy those so much. That was actually um, one of my students' ideas that, because one of my, I have this VIP mastermind that I'm not doing anymore, but I had done for the last three years. And one of my VIPs, um, Tasha, who is 
I know Tasha. Yeah, Yeah. you know Tasha. Precious. And she's like, I feel like people like the the what you put out there, she's like, I like your I like the podcast and I like, you know, I like all this stuff. I like the stuff that you put out there. She's like, but I feel like people don't get to experience the real real Ruth. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The like no holds barred. Here's what like here's the truth you gotta lay it out on you like brutal honesty and but also like she's like and you're so fun and people don't know how fun you are and I am pretty fun you're pretty fun you are I'm pretty fun um but yeah so I love doing that but then again I think it's just that sometimes when I look at my schedule and it feels like oh my gosh I have all these episodes that I have to record and that it like and I can't really complain because I don't have to do any of all the uh, any of the technical stuff. I mean, like you you had Jason get on with you before to yep. do a sound check. They my team has it dialed in really really well for all the like before stuff that happens and the after stuff that happens. So it maybe I just feel like the obligation again. That's probably my outcast. Feels like having a boss. <laughs> do, do you like the episodes better that you do by yourself? As far as like you can just whip through it and. Um, well, no, at first I was doing those really long yeah. episodes. Yeah. Um, and those were, I did not like doing because, well, I did like doing them. I liked, I thought, I felt like the content was good, but they took me so long to, to prepare record. for. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were, it's like, I mean, cause I really like basically write out everything. I mean, and I ad lib and I kind of change things as I go. But the whole thing is kind of, it's like, I'm a writer first and then a, and then a speaker second. So it was like 5,000 words each one, which is a lot. And they were taking me probably like 10 hours to prepare for. And, um, so then I decided to switch to all interviews and then I did that first. And then, then, and people seem to like the interviews better. And then I switched to doing every other with interviews and get Ruth episodes. And then this year, because, you know, I can't ever just stop. <laughs> just can't stop leave well enough alone. Up. Right. Um, I did kind of – I wanted to try to do something like a little bit shorter and um, see how that would go that was not completely scripted out. So that I'm just making like a quick outline – and then just kind Talking of ad-libbing and, it. Yeah. And it's like 10 minutes. And those ones are called quick win episodes. And they're based on just questions that people send in. Yeah. And I just started doing those. And I like those. Those are fun. And I can hammer out a bunch of them, like batch them. Okay. And then the, I like that. So I, I – but I it's too new. Maybe eventually it will start to feel oppressive too. I don't know. I always think like, huh, maybe, maybe at some point I'll just decide I don't want to do this anymore and – and that would be and then I'll fine have to too. Stop. Yeah, I do, I guess I don't know. I like it's hard. I think the hardest part for me, from a st- strategic business perspective, if we're talking about, we're just gonna lay it all out there. Yeah, tell us everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So the hardest part for me, from a strategic business perspective, is not seeing a clear path to monetization. Yeah. yeah, to revenue, and I think engagement is great and important. And ultimately my goal is to help people and to inspire people and to uh, basically, I mean, our mission of our company is to help people create a life they love. And we do that in all different ways. But I'm not sure that I'm convinced that a podcast leads to an increase in sales of our products or courses, or I don't know that I've seen that connection yet. And I've heard from a lot of people that it takes two years to see that full, like to start to actually see the impact. Have you ever heard that? I haven't heard that. Uh -uh. Um, I've heard that from a few different podcasters. So I'm not quite at the two-year mark. So I'm wondering if that's true because I, like I said, I see like a big increase in engagement, but I also don't see that translating to a increase in sales directly from the podcast. So I don't. So like, for instance, like with Amy Porterfield, how she teaches, like, you know, you create one kind of um, piece of content per week. That's kind of the cornerstone of your business. And for her, you know, she's always adding downloads into that. She uses it to build, build her email list. I find for me, 
I do that, but not, but maybe every third or fourth episode and not nearly as, as strategic as that. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, cause I know for you, this is not your cornerstone piece of content for the week. Well, it is now. It is? Kind of. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is and it is. I do my email, my email um, newsletter that goes out every week too. So I guess that this probably and and the email newsletter, but um, we do – and it's not that we don't do other content in the company. We do. We have two two blogs. We have an Elite Blog Academy blog and the Living Well Spending Less blog, but which we decided to – we intentionally decided to cut way back on the amount of content, new content that we're putting out on both of those. Okay. So I think we're going down to like one or two new posts a month instead of what we were doing, which was significantly more than that. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know that I tried, like I tried this, that to be really strategic with that, with those standalone episodes that I was doing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I would have a different download to go with every single one. And we just didn't see like a huge number of, of downloads. Okay. I mean, in terms of building the, and you know me, I'm like a big believer in getting, generating opt-ins and building your email list. But I feel like that has, the podcast has certainly not been our best way of, doing of building that. the email list. So mm-hmm. Which leads me to my next question, which is what do you think are the best opt-ins these days? What are you seeing? And do you feel like, you know, for a while everybody created a little ebook and then it was like a guide sheet and then it's like a video and then it's, so what are you, what are your thoughts on sort of the what? current market of opt-ins? Like what? Oh, for lead magnets. For lead magnets. So yeah. what should, if you're going to create a lead magnet because you want to grow your email list, what, what is it going to be? Yeah. I find... Here's my here's my theory because I used to create I mean you know this I used to create these like huge lead high, super high value lead magnets that were like that could be books that could have been yeah. products like yeah. should have been products um probably still should have and we do still do our holiday planner every year for free which should be a paid product I mean it's it's really good and most people <laughs> create paid ones um but I think that in general, the simpler, the, the simpler lead, the lead magnet, the better. It just, it needs to have a clear felt need. So it needs to be something that's actually like solving an actual problem, but it can be, it only needs to be one or two pages. Um, anything more than that, anything bigger than that, I think is actually, my theory is that it's actually a deterrent because the immediate the the value exchange has to be equitable otherwise people are immediately suspicious of it right so why are you giving me a, why are you giving me this really amazing thing for free i just you know, that doesn't it doesn't seem like an equ- equitable exchange just for your email list okay i do find that quizzes yeah um are really good or quizzes or assessments those are a great lead magnet so you know there's different software out there to create to create a quiz or create an assessment. People love to find out about themselves. So it, that's a great hook. Yeah. Um, uh, what else would uh, – challenges are always good. People still like a good challenge. If you're going to do a challenge, do not make <laughs> the mistake of your and do like a 31-day challenge. <laughs> yes. I wonder who did that before. I know. Ruth and Edie together. Yes. Yes. Yes, you did multiple ones though too. I didn't did you? several of those, yeah. Oh, yes. I not... actually just did one. I just did a, a Your Best Beautiful Year challenge and it went really well. It was a series of four videos, but basically they got a pretty short, maybe three or four page download to go with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was good. I agree. I think shorter, that's what tends to be working for us. Shorter. shorter yeah. Shorter, more manageable stuff. Other, like anything bigger feels overwhelming. Yeah. And one thing that I see work really well for people is um, having a challenge, a, sh- a fairly short challenge for something that's really obviously related to what your genre is or what your niche is. And then offering the workbook instead of offering the workbook for free, offering the workbook as a paid upsell for that. So you nice. get into the challenge for free, but if you want the workbook and I I've seen people have pretty high conversion rates for that. 
Oh. I've never tried that personally, but a lot of my students, um, I've seen that work really well. But I'm a big believer in having some sort of tripwire or upsell or whatever you want to call it on the back end of your – if you're promoting people to opt in, you always got to have an offer on the back end yep. because it's just wa- – it's a wasted opportunity in my opinion right. because especially the closer that you can have that product – be related to the thing that the freebie that you're offering, the more chance that the, or the higher conversion rate that you're going to have. And especially if, if it's whatever your opt-in is for, if the, the upsell is something that will help you do this easier or faster, faster or provides a video to go along with it, or like the workbook that gives you more value to the thing that you're already opting into, those things tend to convert really, really high. And what I've found also is like it used to be like the $7 tripwire. It needs to be under $10 or nobody will pay for it. What I'm finding is that a higher a higher value tripwire um, actually converts better for us. We have a much better success rate with a $19 tripwire than a $7 tripwire. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I know I've heard you teach this before. That kind of, first of all, it gives people... Like you say, they get quicker wins, faster, better with whatever the upsell is, but also um, it can help pay for your Facebook ads or, you know, that yes. your lead gen. Yeah. So. Yes. Which is exactly what you want to do. You want to figure out a way. So when you talk about building your email list faster, I mean, we find it's way faster for us and way easier for us to pay for, pay for to send traffic directly to our lead magnets because my goal for anything, my goal for any of the blogs and we've, and with my team, it's really been a matter of having to train, train the team in understanding like the only purpose of the blog is to be a marketing tool to get people onto our email list. That's what it's here for. And, and ultimately the podcast, the same thing. So if you're listening right now, the reason that you hear me every single week say, you, ha- you know, go and take our fear assessment because I want you on my email list. I want you there so that you are getting my emails so that we're connecting on a regular basis so that we are, you're part of that tribe. And I listen, everyone. I am a dear close friend of Ruthie's <laughs> and I love her emails. I get them every Friday. I love them. You for sure should get on her email list. <gasps> yes. Always get on my email list. It's th- my email newsletter goes out on Thursday now about ED Keep Up. Oh, it does? <laughs> yes. Shoot. Well, <laughs> used to always be Friday. I know. Used to always be Friday, but we switched it to Thursday because we decided that Friday was not the best day to send emails. Cool. Get a lot of autoresponders on Friday. We got get a lot fewer autoresponders because oh, out of Thursday. office replies. I yeah. do mine on Tuesday and um, it seems to be a fine enough day. I don't know. I probably don't do the analytics that you do on it though. <laughs> no, but that's I mean ultimately that's that's the goal is to build the email list and to have people where you can control the environment more of what's happening because as as you know, you can't control social media, you can't control algorithm changes, you can't rely on Pinterest for traffic. You don't want to you want to have things that are within your control. So I can control what happens via email, but I can also email is also way more personal and way more intimate than yeah. anything else. So I can send things to people that are just on my list. I call them my RSO insiders. Mm-hmm. And these are my people. Those are that's my tribe. That's the ones I who I know are most connected and they're they're kind of like they get the inside scoop they get special offers they get special deals they get special stuff that we don't even bother promoting anywhere else because it's all about it's all about nurturing the list um so back to like growing the list that's why you want to be sending if you want to grow your list faster the best way to do it is through paid advertising yeah i think people people there's still this misconception in the online world for a lot of bloggers, especially that everything that you do has to be free. Yep. (laughs) And I think that's not a, it's not a great way to go into business feeling like if I don't, I have to do everything for free. I mean, not that it's not possible for people. People do build up followings, you know, organically slowly. And it's definitely happens a lot slower these days than at the, when 
Facebook was just taking off or when Pinterest was just taking off because we're the grandma bloggers. We actually remember <laughs> all of that act of that happening. Yep. But it's, so it's not as easy these days, but it is anybody can do a Facebook ad and anybody can run a Facebook ad to a free lead magnet and have a upsell on the back end. You can create all of that within two days and start going. Like there's no reason not to. Yep. And are you a big fan of just having as many lead magnets as possible? Or do you really concentrate and just have four or five really good ones or 10 really good ones or whatever? Oh, I mean, have you ever I can't me even not to do like count your lead way magnets. over the top. I know we do have a lot of lead magnets. Um, we like to have a lot, though, because we like to just constantly be testing what's working, what's working. and what's not working. And because we're constantly running ads, we do like to rotate out the ads and different things that we're promoting at different times. And um, so we do have a, we do have a lot, we do have a lot. Yep. I know I've opted into most of them. I'm (laughs) sure of it. I'm sure I uh, took You never know what's going to work. I'm sure I took you up on lots of those tripwires too. (laughs) I love your content. What can I say? Oh gosh. Um, okay. I had another question. I'm trying to think. Do you have a, so what is your lead magnet and what's your tripwire? Right now, the one that I am running a Facebook ad to is the goal setting challenge that I did at the Mm -hmm. first of the year. So if you opt in, it's at yourbestbeautifulyear.com. If you opt in, you get the first video and the PDF. And then the tripwire is basically the rest of the videos, three more videos for $19. Oh, that's good. So what's your conversion rate on that? I think it's around oh, 80. <laughs> well, hold on. The conversion rate, I do know the conversion rate of people that land on the page and opt in is about 60%. Okay. Um, the conversion rate on the tripwire, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> don't know yet. Actually, I just started it about a week ago, five days ago. I mean, so it hasn't been running very long. So not long enough to necessarily not really know long yet. enough to know, but I do think the conversion rate on the page is good. It's a pretty page, and you know, so the conversion yeah. rate on the original page is good. Yeah, yeah. You know, this year, last quarter in Q four um, of twenty nineteen, we were uh, one of our biggest or our biggest goal for the whole quarter. For like, we always have one what we call our wig, our wildly important goal for the quarter was. Um, to make the funnel work, which is what we, we call we, so we now in our company have just one giant mega funnel. We call it the RSO mega funnel. So no matter where you come into our orbit, whether you come in through do it scared, whether you come in through elite blog Academy, whether you come in through living while spending less, it all eventually funnels (laughs) into one, one funnel because I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's all me and it's all under this – it's all interrelated. Everything that we do is interrelated. Yep. And so um, our big goal was make the funnel work and we had a specific revenue goal, an evergreen revenue goal attached to that. And what we started doing, which has been so interesting and so um, – hard for somebody like me who's very impatient and a nine quick start, but low follow through. Like I'm, you know, me, I mean, you've known me for 10 years now. It's, I'm like, okay, we're going to do do as fast as I can do it. We're going to do it. We're going to implement it. And then I'm going to move on to the next thing and create another lead magnet. So we've actually slowed way down and we are doing so much split testing on lead pages, split testing on sales pages. And split testing is annoying because it takes a long time. And in order to be an effective split test, you could only test one thing at a time. (laughs) So, you know, one week we'll test on, we'll be on, and we, thankfully we have lots of different pages so we can test multiple different, we can be doing multiple tests for different pages at the same time, which is good. Yep. But one of the things that we tested a lot was button color Oh, of all things. Tell yeah. me it's yellow. Mine are all yellow. Is it yellow? It's not yellow. Dang it. Yellow is second place though. Okay. So okay. you're not, it's not all bad. Okay. Um, but it's orange. I don't even use orange. Wow. It might even do better if you're not using orange. And make sure that your buttons are gradient. Really? Are your buttons gradient? They're not gradient. They are designed by a designer, so I could have her do that. 
Are you not using lead pages? I use lead pages, but I have her make custom buttons, you know. I would use lead pages buttons. You would? And I would make them gradient, and I would make them as big as possible. Oh, my buttons are big. That's kind of <laughs> – well, that's kind of why I had her design them because like – Well, it's split tested. Okay. I mean, you use lead pages yeah. so that the lead pages make it really easy to – a B test it. So split test it. Like this is this is what I've learned. And now in our company, that is like the rallying cry for everything. Anytime something comes up in a meeting, whatever, like we better test that. And we do. We test everything and we have spreadsheets and craziness um, to test all this stuff. But it's so interesting to see the conversion rate, how much higher you can get it. And I think I always just sort of would put stuff out there. And because it was it was relatively successful the first go round. I didn't ever feel the need to like test it, tweak it, make it better. Yeah. But it is so cool to see how much better you can make things when you start really working on optimizing. So optimizing titles, optimizing placement of things on the pages. It really does make a big um, impact. One of the things we also tested that has been really interesting is um, the, the, sales form because we have there we tested Stripe versus Infusionsoft which is the email system that we use versus Shopify versus we just split test Thrivecart which <laughs> ended up giving us tons of customer service issues so thankfully the Thrivecart test did not win good so the thing that has won against everything else is Shopify by actually several percentage points Shopify wow. when we we use Shopify, but it's not sending people to the Shopify store. You can create a link that will drop the product directly in the Shopify sales cart. And that converts much higher than anything else. Wow. Mm -hmm. So interesting. It is interesting. Because you wouldn't think like, you know, you do all the work. That would make a difference. Yeah, you because you do all the work to get them to the sales page. I mean, to the checkout page. And you think, well, that doesn't really matter because they're ready to buy it, you know. Yep. Wow. It does. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Like, I mean, in over time, it's yeah, thousands of, of dollars yeah. of difference. If you can increase that, that conversion rate from 4% to 6% or 6% to 10%, whatever, like that is a huge amount of money. Wow. So cool. See how smart you are. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not that smart. I feel like it's just, you just try things. And because people are always asking me like, Ruth, how do you know what works? I'm like, well, I just try things yep. and I see what works and I do more of what works and less of what doesn't work. And that's business. I think I maybe it's my nine quick start that I'm more in my and my not, I don't fear like if something doesn't work, like that doesn't bother me that much. Right. So I think that combination is I'm just willing to try way more things. That's awesome. And see though. what works. So what's on the horizon for you? What are you working on? What are you excited about this year? <laughs> Tell is me what's in- next. Is this my interview or your interview? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> Anytime you want me to come um, interview you, just let me know. So... What is next? Well, did you know I want to run a marathon this year? No. Listen, you know, I tore my ACL last year. My goal is to run a half this year to basically prove to my orthopedic surgeon that a (laughs) 50-year-old woman can heal her ACL without surgery and then run a half marathon. So let's. Wow. So let's, I like I like the uh, the inner outcast there coming out. I know. So maybe we should run a half. When is that gonna be? Well, I don't know. Yeah. We should run a half together as part of your training. Okay. So let's do that. Maybe Nashville. That would be in April. perfect. There's one in Nashville <gasps> in April. End of April. I wonder if I would be ready for that by April. For sure. I'm gonna run the New York the New York City Marathon in November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just start training now. <laughs> Okay. Nashville. I am training now. I'm training. I'm doing my, I'm doing my couch to 5k. I've started, well, I downloaded the whole suite of apps because there was a deal if you got them all. Okay. So there's couch to 5k and then there's the 10k that you move up to. And then there's the half marathon that you move up to. And then there's the marathon. See, this is how I So I'm on, I'm on week four of couch to 5k. Well, you'll be very close by, (laughs) by April. So that we'll just use that as your training run. Okay. End of April. 
See, the okay. last time I ran the half marathon in Nashville, I lined up right beside Dave Ramsey. I ran the whole. You ma- told me that I remember. I ran that. the whole marathon with Dave Ramsey, and I had just done his program, and I was so mad. <laughs> Were you asking him questions all time? No, no, no. Here's what happened. I saw him, and I'm like, "Darn it, there he is!" And now that's reminding me that I can't spend money while I'm here in Nashville at all those cute shops in Franklin because I'm doing his <laughs> dumb program. So I was just complaining to him. Yeah, that is hilarious. So okay, it's that a date. Awesome. We're gonna run the half okay. marathon in Nashville at the end okay. of April. What are the dates? I think it's like end of April. I think it's like the last uh, weekend in April. I think. Okay. Okay. I'll check my end of April. That that's better than the beginning of April. Yeah. So I'll have to. I'll have to work on. That. All right. Okay. Let's work on that. All right. It's a date. Yes. Yeah, so that's. So what's next? So that's one of my goals. I have three goals for. Um, Tell me. I have three goals okay. for the year. Yeah. So um, one is to lead my team to hit our big revenue goal for the year. Okay. So the key piece of that, and obviously I know what the number is, but do I do you share it? Say do you ever share it? Do I sh- publicly? Share it? I d- no. I don't mm-hmm. at this point. Like I. I mean, suffice to say, it's high. Yeah. It's it's very high, and um, it's actually a profit goal, okay. not a not a top line revenue, which is different for me. Um, I think that's probably one of my biggest lessons from the last year is, and and it's funny because it's what my husband has been saying to me for many years. And don't get me wrong, my company has always been profitable, but as your as your revenue top line revenue grows, and as your company grows, and as you add on more employees, what tends to happen is your your margins shrink, shrink where you, when it's just you and you own your company, your profit margins are like 90% because you don't have anybody else to pay. It's just you. And the more employees you have. So I being, you know, the big visionary entrepreneur type and always wanting to be bigger and investing in bigger, bigger and better things um, was never, I've ne- I always just felt like I'm just only going to make more money. I'm not, I don't worry as much about the bottom line as the top line. Well, my husband has been encouraging me for many years, you know, Chuck. Yes, to worry about the bottom <laughs> to line. worry more about the bottom line. He's like, honey, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And I agree with him to some extent. Like there's, there's also something to be said for you can't become so consumed with only wor- pinching your pennies and worrying so much about the bottom line that it inhibits your growth. There has to be a happy medium between the two. And I think I was erring on one side, whereas he's airs er- more on the other side. So I definitely have become much more cognizant of um, bottom line and, and watching profit and setting goals for profit versus goals for top line revenue. We do have a top line revenue goal also, but my, my profit margin goal is 40% this year, which is, um, you know, for some people that would be like, oh my gosh, that's low, low, but that's not low. Um, because what we were getting, I mean, what we ended up with last year was, um, just, I think, 20%, 20%, something like that, okay. 20%, which for many industries is actually very high. So it really depends on industry. Yep. Um, but my profit margin goal is double for last year versus wow. which would then <laughs> mean, a, mean a much higher revenue. So my the key for that goal, though, is that I want to lead my team to achieve that goal at versus me achieving that goal. So it's not – my goal is not to – figure out how to get there. My team, my goal is to have them figure out how to lead my team to figure out how to get there and to be the person that's coaching and encouraging. And I think that's been a really big lesson for me in the past year too, is realizing how much I had in the pursuit of new projects and fun things and writing a book and doing all this stuff that I had really let go of the leadership role in my company. And that was not a good thing and not a good thing for a lot of different reasons, profitability being one of them. Yep. Um, but also because I'm, I love it. I do. You, I love coaching people. I love bringing out the best in people. And I was not, I was looking at, I think there was a, for a while I was looking at having a team as almost like drudgery and, management and having, oh, I don't want to manage people. And it felt like such a 
you know, because pe- it can be hard to manage relationships, but if you have the right people who you really fully believe in and you're, you change, change, reframe your thoughts to think about coaching people to be their best and to bring out their best, yep. um, it makes it a lot more fun. So I'm having a lot more oh. fun leading my team now. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So that's number two. What's number three? That's number two. So number three is um, a new life course for living well, spending less. Nice. Yeah. Cause we've never had a course for living well, spending less before. Um, and we have a couple, we have some really good products for, for that. We have these different, one is, um, our 10 meals in an hour and one is our imperfectly productive. And we have, what else do we have? The, um, financial rescue pack and ultimate cleaning bundle. And those are kind of our, what we've always looked at as like our core four LWSL products. And then of course the books, but we've never had an actual course that's kind that's says here's how to here's how to pull your you know you know what together yes. like and <laughs> yes <laughs> i really have this firm belief and one of the things that we've we realized you know we rebranded um the company uh about well almost 2 years ago now to Rootsuka Omni Media that was we were um, living well, spending less Inc. So that's how the company started and realizing, you know, we've got all these different divisions. So we've got roots up as the umbrella. Yep. And then we have four different pieces. There's lifestyle, which is living well, spending less. There's productivity, which is the living well planner and tame your time. There's business, which is elite blog Academy. And then there's motivation, which is do it scared. And we have different product offerings under each one, but Figuring out how they all fit together has been a really important piece of understanding how our brand works and what the journey of our customers is. Yes. And what we have come to understand is that like for a long time, I kind of looked at it as these four separate circles and I didn't, it felt very overwhelming. I thought maybe I'm doing too many things. I need to stop trying to like (laughs) spread myself so thin. But what I really realized is that it's all it's all connected. It's sort of like a hierarchy of needs. And at the base of that hierarchy of needs is the lifestyle piece. It's it's women mostly. I mean, that our audience there is probably 98% women, but women who are looking for help in just getting control over their lives. Yeah. And I think that's the starting point. That's the starting point for any self-improvement. And I think a lot of times what a lot of motivational programs miss, what a lot of business programs miss, what a lot of um, time management programs miss is the piece of women have to deal with life before they can think bigger about their lives. Yeah. And if you can't, if you can't get food on the table and if you've got your kids to take care of, and if you have a messy house, it's really hard to think about setting bigger goals for yourself or starting a business or doing all of these other things. Whereas men, I think, don't have to deal with that as much, honestly, truly. And this is nothing like this is not a bashing, a man bashing um, like statement. It's just men for thousands of years have traditionally been sort of the man man goes off to work. He's the provider. And he just thinks about that. Like men don't have guilt when they go and play basketball on Saturday morning. Right. They don't think, oh my gosh, I'm I'm not spending enough quality time with my kids. They come, they don't have guilt when they're at work until eight o'clock at night because they have a big project due because they're like, well, I'm providing for my family. And so, but women are thinking about all of these things all of the time and they have a really hard time um, thinking about wanting to do the next big thing in their life without feeling like they have a good handle on the basic basics of life, the building blocks of life. Yeah. And um, so that's where I feel like that's the piece that's missing is something to help women. And I guess it could be men too. <laughs> I'm sure I'd love to put my husband through the course. I don't think he would take it. Yeah. But um to say, okay, here's how we start with the foundation of saying, like, here's how we start to create good habits for yourself. Here's how you can do these necessity things in your life faster and easier mm-hmm. so that there's more time and energy for all the stuff that you want to do. Like we don't, and and here's how to pick and choose what actually matters and what doesn't matter. So I'm excited. I'm fired up about that course. Yay. I feel like yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. That is awesome. When are you trying to launch that one? When are you wanting to launch that one? 
Um, it's going to launch in August. August. Oh, perfect. Yes. Going back to school. So stay tuned. Going back to school. Yep. Yep. I'm very excited about that. I love it. So Ruthie, will that one be, that won't be, that'll be a standalone course, not a per se coaching mentorship ongoing. Standalone course. No. And then the coaching and mentorship would, would be, would, would be the coaching program that I have. That you have. Doing okay. Coaching program. Yeah. Yeah. Which feeds, and it, again, it's all interconnected. So it feeds right, yeah. right into that. So all of like, what I really realized is that all of our stuff really flows together very, very well. Yep. There's just lots of, lots of layers. It's that funny you that you say that because uncover. I've had that kind of crisis over the last year, like creating this new kind of portion of my business, like, okay, do I have two separate businesses? And like in my mind trying to figure it out, but it's kind of like what you're saying, what I do in health coaching and oils is basically help people feel better enough so they can do Do the other other stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it does go together. Yeah. And when you start to see how it fits together and it takes a lot of work, um, it, it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And I think too, but when, for people who are just starting out thinking about, well, I don't know all that stuff. Like I didn't know all that stuff. You didn't know all that stuff. We've both had our businesses for 10 years now and it's just starting to flow and evolve together. And and that's just part of entrepreneurship. So the more you can be willing, especially at the beginning to just throw the spaghetti out there and see what sticks and try something and see what works and do more of what works and less of what doesn't work the better off you'll be. I agree. So cool. Did I answer all your questions? I think you answered all my questions. (laughs) Although, I mean, I could talk for another hour, but yeah, I think you did. (laughs) (laughs) It was so fun. I know it was so fun. We need to do this more often. Yes, we do. We need to do this more often. I want to, so if you liked this sort of freeform episode, which I don't do very often with my friend Edie, (laughs) uh, I want to hear, I want to get lots of emails back um, and let me know. So you can email me at ruth at ruthsukup.com and tell me if this is the type of episode you want to hear more of and we can make it happen. (laughs) Yay. Thank you so much for having me. So good to see you today. Thank you, Edie. You're welcome. Love you. Love you. Okay, so don't forget that if you'd like to get all the show notes for this episode, along with the links to everything that we just talked about, you can find it all at doitscared.com slash episode 99. Once again, you can get all the show notes and links on our website at doitscared.com slash episode 99. And while you're there, be sure to also take our fear assessment to find out exactly how fear might be holding you back and what you can do about it. Get opted in, guys. You know now that that is the point. So if you have not opted in, you know that that's what you got to do. All right. Before we go, I just want to say, as always, that I love hearing from you. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today, or if you want to see more of this type of episode, please reach out, send me an email at ruth at ruthsukup.com, or you can just message me on Instagram. And that about does it for this episode of the Do It Scared with Ruth Sukup podcast. So thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, leave a review on iTunes. And while you are there, be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. And finally, speaking of upcoming episodes, be sure to tune in next week for an actual Get Ruth coaching session. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm just starting to hit my stride with these coaching sessions. And I kind of love that you never quite know what's going to come out of my mouth or what's going to happen next. And I will catch you then.